everyone. My name is Zina and you're listening to Slavsvite, a podcast about Slavic languages. Hello, Anina and Victoria. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for coming. I'm really excited to be talking to you today. Could you please introduce yourselves? So, well, Nina, you want to start? Okay, okay. So, uh, my name is Nina Tundava. I'm uh, from Skopje, Macedonia. I'm currently doing my, well, my master's studies in Ljubljana, Slovenia. I'm studying general linguistics, more specifically theoretical linguistics. And um, yeah, I think that's okay for a start. And I'm Victoria Blazeska, and I also come from Macedonia, but from another town, from Bitola. And I'm currently doing my master's in general and applied linguistics at the University of Brodsburg. And I'm the other half of Yazicarnica. Yeah, so that's my that's my next question. How did you two come up with the idea to form this blog? So can you walk us through the story of, of uh, through the history of um, Yazicarnica and your idea? So as a, as a small introduction, Yazicarnica is a blog on linguistics in Macedonian. And the way we conceived the idea was to have this new platform, this, this, this blog, where people would be able to read about linguistics in Macedonian. And uh, the, um, the content would be very um, understandable, basically uh, under- accessible for anyone. And it would be more sort of pop linguistics in Macedonian, which is something that we never had before. I mean, uh, in Macedonian. So that's basically that was basically the first idea, the first purpose to create something in Macedonian about linguistics. So I guess the further context would be the, uh, the the entire situation with the pandemic, which enabled us to spend some more time maybe thinking and developing this idea. So I have to say that initially it was Nina who came up with the idea. And then um, she found out about this grant that was being offered by Gretchen McCulloch and Lauren Gone about uh, so the... the, the um, this LinkCom project that would support uh, up-and-coming linguistics outreach projects. And when she saw this, she thought that it would be a nice idea to apply, especially since she already had the idea to do something like this, as she just said. And um, it's really funny because applying for the grant meant that we finally had to put our ideas on paper and say, okay, this is what we really want to go, where we really want to go with this project. And then we applied uh, after, I mean, serious thought and deciding on exactly what we want to do. And then it was really, it was really cool because we actually got the grant, which neither of us really expected. And that really enabled us to uh, launch, launch the entire project. And it's so cool that we are able to keep it going, even yeah. now, at least like it, it's four how, months already, right? How many yeah. people got the, the the grant? I think there was only three people, I mean, three projects that were... Four. Four, four. So you were one of the four people yes, who got exactly. it. Congratulations. That's a thank you. Huge thing, really. <laughs> yeah, we think so too. <laughs> so this this whole link, Linkcom grant uh, was uh, Victoria mentioned already. So these are the two linguists that are behind uh, Linkthusiasm. So quite popular pop linguists, yeah. <laughs> you would say. And uh, when we saw this call, it was obvious that a lot of people would would apply and we really didn't think that we would be one of the winners you know 
So it was a complete surprise to us. And we're really, really um, happy that Gretchen and Lauren could help us so much. We uh, even had one call with them about the whole logistics of the thing. It was amazing to get to, to speak to them. They gave us some really great advice, especially because both of them started with the blogs. And uh, Dina, actually, we were talking when the three of us first met, right? We talked about uh, Gretchen's blog, All Things Linguistic. All Things Linguistics, yeah. Yeah. And actually, that's um, that blog, Gretchen's blog, was one of the first things that I saw and realized that this is what I want to do. And I feel like it's a very nice thing that all of these things kind of connected in the end. So when I first wrote to you, I wrote to you that... I, I love your concept. I love that it's in Macedonian. I love that you're doing it in your language, in your other tongue, because I think I personally got a lot of uh, bad reviews because I'm doing this in English simply because people think that this way or another way you should preserve your language. And I, I mean, I agree with that. But as we said, my topic is really broad. So I think that doing it in one Slavic language would, wouldn't be enough. But you two are doing it. You're actually concentrating on Macedonian when writing. You're, you're concentrating on, of course, on the other languages that have the influence on Macedonian. But your main topic is Macedonian. And how did you, did you find that a lot of people were not interested in linguistics also read and follow your blog or is it only people who are studying it in in any kind of way not not only Macedonian language but but um, linguistics in general um, so the, what was really surprising about about getting feedback was that it's kind of mostly resonated with people who do not really study linguistics in their or have anything much to do with it in their day-to-day -day lives which I guess on the one hand it's surprising because you think wow I mean all these people want to read about linguistics but then on the other hand it's it means that we're doing our job well because that's what we intended you know we, we, we really wanted to introduce linguistics to people who hadn't even realized maybe that the linguistics is precisely the thing that they're interested in. I mean, we got this one comment uh, some time ago on the blog from a person who said that they hadn't realized that they were interested in linguistics until they came across our blog. And that, that's really one of the nicest comments that, we, that we've really had. Yeah, we basically got that comment and felt like, okay, our job is done. And <laughs> everything yeah. that follows is just bonus points, you know, <laughs> because we're really doing this for fun, you know, and uh, it doesn't we're not trying to get people to study linguistics. I mean, if they do, that's great, but it's not that's not our main purpose, not at all. Um, even just getting them interested in what we're doing and realizing that there's lots of really fun stuff in linguistics, that's just enough for us. Yeah, yeah. So our main topic today is going to be Macedonian, since um, you two are both from Macedonia, but from different parts of Macedonia. That's also really interesting. Can you tell me a bit about how different Macedonian is in different parts of the country? So we talked about Slovene, we talked about Russian, Czech. So all those languages, for example, Slovene, you two um, both speak it too. You know how small the country is, but actually how diverse the language is. So is this also a thing with um, Macedonian or, or, or something else? Well, absolutely. I would say um, more than anything, it's similar to the Slovenian case, I think, because 
on such a small territory, as, as is the case with Slovenia, you also find this amazing diversity regarding dialects in Macedonia and it often happens that people, I mean we're going to talk about this more in depth later, what it means when you go as a student to Skopje and hear all the other yeah. dialects. I mean basically there are some stunning differences uh, on all levels. I think the one, the ones that are most striking are probably in the Lexus because you get so many different words uh, that when you hear something, sometimes, I mean, um, we, we've heard all these anecdotes about people who've heard something from someone like a roommate or a relative from another town and they hadn't, they didn't even have a clue what it means. So, I mean, yeah. the, the differences can be really striking. Sometimes it sounds like a different language, but we also prepared a little overview, uh, like a little theoretical overview that Nina will introduce now. Yeah, so just really briefly, basically. So um, for all the listeners that don't know much about Macedonian, so Macedonian is a South Slavic language in the East South Slavic subgroup. So together with Bulgarian, Macedonian, it's, it's interesting that we can actually compare it to Slovenian and its dialects. Macedonian dialects can be uh, divided into three groups. So we usually talk about the northern, like the big group of northern dialects, western dialects and eastern and southern dialects. It's really interesting to see. So because we can't show a map now because it's a podcast, we're not <laughs> going to talk about the geography of Macedonia much. But you can, you know, northwest and east, that is that makes sense, right? And then uh, according to different sources, maybe there's different ways to regroup the different dialects that are spoken, part of those groups. But all in all, people usually mention 27 groups of dialects. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so seven of, seven of those are in the northern part, uh, 11 in the western and nine in the eastern what we're going to talk about today is basically the big differences between these three big groups. And then, of course, there's differences even between the subgroups. But we're not going to go into details just to, to illustrate things here. You can, you can tell us a little bit about the main differences between those three groups. Uh-huh. So so the main differences are, so first of all, you will hear it in the stress system. So the West groups have that very specific stress pattern that Macedonian has, which is so basically Macedonian has a fixed anti-penultimate word stress. That means the stress always falls on the third syllable counting from the end of the word. And this is important because Macedonian has a post-positive article. So basically, when you add it at the, to the end to the word, the stress shifts back a bit. So if we give can an you, example. Can you give an example? Yeah, yeah, because I, yeah. I don't think I'm, <laughs> I'm actually following. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, <laughs> your face right now is like that meme, the, the geometry lady. <laughs> okay, so for example, the word for a town in Macedonian is grad. So... Grad, but the town is Gradot. So mm -hmm. Grad, Gradot. The stress ah, okay. is on A. But then when you make the plural of Grad, Gradovi, mm -hmm. it still stays on the A because now it's the third, Gradovi. Mm -hmm. But then when you make, when you add the article to the plural form, the towns, you get Gradovida. 
Aha, okay. Okay, now I get it. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> now it's just okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it makes sense what you what you yeah. said because Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so basically so it it wouldn't be grado so if it would stay on the root as as it does in, in other Slavic languages, it would be gradovita. But it's mm-hmm. it's not Yeah, so that's that's very interesting. It can be very confusing to people at first, but, but this is this is uh, a thing. Um, sorry, this is a thing that is also in standard language like that, or is it yes. also specific for? Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is very important. Thank you for for mentioning this. So the standard language is based on the Western dialects, um, mm, basically okay. the the central group of the Western dialects. And yeah, they were chosen to be the basis for the standard language because of this, because they're you know central and kind of provide a common ground for all the speakers. But yeah, so many dialects of the East don't have this type of stress. That's interesting. Oh, what 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 do they do? Uh, what do the Eastern dialects do? The stress is then fixed. They would say graduvite or... Yeah, yeah, th- this is very interesting. So now uh, I wouldn't know how to tell you in general. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't know for sure because I'm not a dialectologist and neither is Victoria. But there are places in Macedonian when they do absolutely say graduate. Mm-hmm. I've heard okay. that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So you, you said, Nina, you're from Skopje. Victoria, you're from... Sorry, Vitova? I forgot. Okay. From Vitova. To which of these dialectal groups do your dialects, let's say like that, yeah. belong? We're both in the Western. So technically, okay, so Skopje dialect is a funny story because it's such a big town, but uh, technically it's still part of the Western dialects and the, the, the border between the dialect groups is very close. So mm-hmm. just a couple of kilometers on the east from Skopje, you get, so for example, Kumanova is a town that's very, very close to Skopje and it's a complete different language there. <laughs> yeah, so that's a, that's a typical Northern dialect and we can talk about they also it have, later. They also have cases, right? I mean... Yes, exactly. Yeah. So so basically, according to Macedonian dialectology, so the dialect of Kumanovo is part of this Northern group. and But we could, like, if we look at the bigger picture, we could technically talk that it's more part of those transitional dialects in between both Serbian and Macedonian and Bulgarian. And you're very familiar with those <laughs> So, you know, people on the south of Serbia talk very similarly to the people in Kumanova. Uh, morphosyntax is a lot more analytic than mm-hmm. in Serbian, but there's more cases than in Macedonian because Macedonian has lost all of them. Well, technically, we still, ha- we still have some bits of the vocative, but that's... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a different. It's a pragmatic case. So about Kumanovo, it's it's really interesting. This northern group of dialects is more part of this like transitional. You know, we talked about this on the blog. We had a post called "Language or Dialect." Uh, when we talked about the dialect continuum of the South Slavic languages, you know, technically speaking, you could argue that that 
those dialects, if the people, if its speakers wanted to, they could argue that it's just a separate language. And uh, some linguists have said that, that it's like this whole other uh, South Slavic language. So like a, like an East <laughs> South Slavic language is yeah. be Macedonian Bulgarian and these dialects. So like these usually, transitional. Yeah. 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 But that's, you know, that's hypothetical. So maybe let's yeah. not go into that. I mean, that. yeah, yeah. I think that um, those Southern Serbian and Northern Macedonian dialects or a group are really um, something special. I mean, yeah. it's also it's this mixture of everything. That's why I'm able to follow your blog. <laughs> yeah, that's why what I um, what I said earlier, because technically all of those words that are standard in Macedonian or somehow familiar to me are familiar to me because of the South Slavic, uh, Torlakian dialect, uh, South Slavic, South uh, Serbian uh, Torlakian dialect, not because of the standard Serbian. I mean, yeah. of course, some some of their some of them also from standard Serbian, but I think the southern dialect actually plays a major role in the also the the of, uh, the loss of grammatical cases is also present in southern Serbians. Yeah, oh, yeah. Actually, um, Victoria was sorry. talking about our, our different dialects. Uh, well, no. What I wanted to say was that the interesting thing is that Skopje is not a dialect on which the standard is based, which which might might seem a little counterintuitive at first, because you think, okay, it's the dialect of the capital, it's the way the people speak at the capital, so this is surely something that people want to base the standard language on, but it's not the case, and that's really, I mean, one of the one of the more interesting facts. But I mean, coming back to my mother dialect, if I may call it that, it's a typical Western dialect, because it has all these um, features like really open and low vowels, like even mm -hmm. when you pronounce the, I think, I think the best example we can give is the example of the A sound. Because there's like so there's the standard a which is somewhere really in between like in the uh, like in the middle position maybe of the mouth and then there's the western a which is like really open okay. and um, more often than not long and really produced really low in the mouth whereas when people from like the, the the further you go to the north, I guess, the more it's the more it tightens and then it becomes this really high E. So I, I think I think if we tell the telecom joke, it might be funny. Yeah. <laughs> because it's it's something that people understand. So uh, if you ask someone from Bitolo, for example, where they work and they work at telecom, they would say telecom. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but if you ask someone from I don't know Skopje or somewhere roundabouts where they work and they work at telecom, they would say and telecom. Oh, so wow, like, really? Yeah. Yeah, so it would be more like, yeah, telecom. It's actually e, but it's very close. I think it's the most salient feature. When you hear someone and when you hear their vowels, uh, well, especially especially when you compare someone who comes from Bitol or thereabouts like I do and someone who comes from Skopje maybe or thereabouts like Nina does, if you heard us both talk, like maybe yeah. one after the other, I think that's the most salient feature that you would notice if we talked in Macedonian. Uh, well, the vowels in general, but most of all this A sound. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's like a real o. giveaway. Also the O. Yeah. The it's, O it's can also really, be uh, wide. I yeah, mean, but this is, this is really interesting, actually. So in Macedonian, there's really just five vowels. And then the quality of the E and the O just depends on the dialect, but it doesn't make any difference. And the meaning. Yeah. The meaning. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, there's only one E phoneme. Okay. So whether you say telecom or telecom, 
it's going to be people, you know, hear it. Still going to know. Say, yeah. Yeah. It's like a giveaway to sort of people will know where you're from, but they're still going to understand this. But it's it's one of the features that people need to work on most, I guess, if they want to if they want to get closer to the standard, which is really funny because, well, people say since the standard is based on where I come from, basically, well, partially, at least. It's really funny because you sort of we're rumored to speak to be among those who, in Macedonia who speak the, the best Macedonian or the, the one that is mm-hmm. closest to the standard. But when then you hear the vowels and you think, no, this can't be it. <laughs> <laughs> Way too open. Yeah. It's like uh, like we're playing limbo with with vowels. How low can you go? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then you and then you move to to Skopje, and then people from Skopje actually don't speak the standard language. I mean, the standard yeah. language is not based. But then when people hear you speaking, they're like, um, "No, this isn't right." <laughs> but you're actually the one that comes from the part where where standard language is on your dialect standard language is based on but that's this um, language prestige thing that that we actually talked about and yeah i mean that people actually want to speak like they're from skopje yeah but it's not actually proper macedonian what is the the thing that you had to adjust to when you moved to skopje victoria So I would say definitely the vowels. So um, I wanted to, to say a, a few words about this prestige situation because again, uh, it sounds a bit counterintuitive. That, that I mean, see, seeing that Skopje is not is not the dialect that the standard is based on. But it's true what you said that uh, when people move to Skopje, mostly for uni, because I think it's definitely the university that has the most students. Skopje, and then you're thrust into the situation suddenly. I don't think anyone knows a lot about the diversity, at least not firsthand until you suddenly go to this university and you hear everyone talking at you with, in different accents and different dialects and I think it's a really special situation I think it's a bit of a rite of initiation well even for Skopje students of course because they go yep. to university and then they have the chance to hear someone right I think Nina has some funny stories about understanding her colleagues absolutely absolutely yeah yeah it's it's really interesting because it's for many people of many different countries this is the case right you only get the it's only at the when you start university that you get to meet people from different parts of your country yeah. and uh, when you have a, uh, when you're from a country that has such diverse dialects it's crazy because you, <laughs> some of the dialects I was I I couldn't follow them and I would I would need to ask um, people from the east so places mm-hmm. like Strumica for example talk very fast Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I would have to ask people to just, slow you know, down. come again, come again and slow down, please, maybe. Because <laughs> I'm not understanding anything that you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I just, um, um, lexical things or, or um, also the, on the other levels. On the other levels as well, because it's a different, so the stress is different. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of reduction of, of vowels. Mm-hmm. So especially this dialect that I'm talking about and, you know, just people putting the stress in different places and not pronouncing all the vowels messes mm-hmm. with your head, even if it's wow. your native yeah. tongue, you know? It's like, I think um, we would have difficulties understanding it, maybe even where the word boundaries are, just to, to, be, to even begin to grasp. I mean, especially if the structure of the sentence is different and you hear something and you think, okay, well, which, which where where does this word stop? So I can even begin to, I guess, I guess, translate even it. Even that, even that, yeah. 
But I wanted to go back to this accommodating that you, the thing that you asked because I think it's really fascinating how there is at least anecdotal evidence because I don't think it's been really studied systematically, but there is at least the, uh, anecdotal evidence that uh, people who come from other places uh, try to accommodate to the Skopje dialect. I mean, I've personally heard many people who, who try to do this. So not to the standard, but always to the Skopje dialect. And then yeah. particularly in terms... So I only know examples of people from my region so Bitola, Prilep, some like along those lines, and we have this really uh, salient feature that is also found in the standard language, which is linking in the stress. So we have a, a verb and a clitic, for instance. You would you would um, you, you would stress them together as a unit. Mm-hmm. For example, um, I don't know, svestetesa, um, like not svestetesa, okay. like mm-hmm. be aware. It's, it means like something be aware. Um, and so this is a definitely a feature of the standard language because it is based on our Western dialects. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is where the, the clash comes because Skopje doesn't have this. They would definitely be Svestetesa and you cannot convince them to say <laughs> to say it differently. Sorry, Nina. I mean, but it's true. Very true. So, yeah. so, the, the, um, this is one of the most salient features that people tend to lose maybe when they try to accommodate to the Skopje dialect because it's just so salient. It's a dead giveaway that you're not from yeah. Skopje. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, did so, you lose it? <laughs> I did not. Ah, <laughs> so good for you. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to actually give an example. So talking about uh, accommodation to the Skopje dialect, I wanted to give um, two examples. One where I accommodated and one when I did not. So yeah. definitely I did not lose my uh, linkings because I, 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 I think it's such a good thing. It's, it's just so precious and I really love my linkings. I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose them for the world. But what I did accommodate a little bit too were the vowels. I mean, I did not. I did not really start pronouncing it as e. Mm, I mean, you can. Okay. You could not make me do that. But I mean, I did try to. I did try to pronounce it a bit higher in the mouth, like consciously, because uh, the vowels are another another dead giveaway that you come from the from, from somewhere that, that speaks a Western south. dialect. Yeah, yeah exactly. especially from the south. Yeah, especially I mean, from the south. Southwest. The, yeah. Southwest. So, so I think I think it's a good example because uh, they're both really super salient features of the Western dialects, but you can you can I guess consciously choose. So um, I think the vowels were a thing where I could accommodate, and it was it was fine because I mean now I think I speak a little bit more standard. I mean at least something that's closer to the standard. But I did not lose my linkings, which again is a so I guess yeah. I guess you try to level out and see standardize it, yeah, <laughs> to. You did a you did a great job. I hope <laughs> by keeping features of your own dialect, I think that's also um, of course the, the things that that are unintelligible. Of course, I won't use that in when talking to someone. I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm I'm a fan of dialects really, and I was I was pretty amazed how in Slovenia they they don't hide it, they actually embrace it. And I love it, and um, that's why I'm actually doing this series of of different different languages and different dialects because people think of dialects as something bad, you know. I don't know if you, Victoria, had that feeling when you moved to Skopje that people actually look different at you because you're not, you know, from from because you can hear it in they can hear it in your speech. But I know that a lot of people who move from southern Serbia to Belgrade. There is always this, yeah, that language prestige thing. 
I hate it. I can say that I hate it. And I love that the, that the, there is a, such a wide diversity in, in each of our languages. And we can actually, you know, combine the knowledge in order to understand each other and in order to learn more things. I've learned so much by, I mean, I understood so much from Russian, for example, also just by being familiar with this vocabulary from southern Serbia, which is sometimes closer to the original Slavic vocabulary than the words that are in standard Serbian language. So it's, it's that's what makes it special. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's I mean, vowels, Vicky. <laughs> it's my vowels that make me special. <laughs> by, by learning about the dialects and how they work, we could foster this understanding and acceptance of everything that's different. I mean, just, just, uh, just like with everything in life, right? Just embracing yeah. that we're all different. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, people are n not that happy to learn that other people are different in <laughs> from them <laughs> in any aspect of life, <laughs> including the language, including the the, the 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 diversity of of the language, let alone all the other <laughs> things in life. But yeah, I think this language prestige is actually yeah pretty. I mean, it's. I, I can't say anything for, for Russian because I don't know how the dialects are treated there. But I, I mean, I can speak for, for Slovene and for Serbian that the dialects are actually, the, the countries are really close to each other, but then the dialects are treated so differently. Yeah. I don't know how it is actually for Croatia. And for, for Bosnia, I'm not, I'm not familiar with them, with the, their dialects. But I think that Slovenes actually have it uh, all quite figured out. Figured out. I mean, the people who don't even try to be understood—that is a um, whole different kind of of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But can you provide us with some examples of lexical difference? So that's the thing that is actually always the the most interesting for me. So maybe I'll give a bit of an introduction, and then Nina can get into the more fi the, the finer details. Is is that okay mm -hmm. with you? Yeah. Okay. So, so to put the things a little bit in context, we did this little research a few months ago because we, we were really interested in finding out exactly how different our dialects are, at least at least in this uh, in this lexical respect. And um, I mean, th there are there is some systematic research into dialects in Macedonian Macedonian dialectology, but I think I think most most people see see these things as something that belongs in old books maybe and something that's not really alive today and being actively spoken so uh, we both agreed that, that that more contemporary research was needed so we decided well of course what we did was not anything like a large-scale systematic research or anything like that but we did we did make a few steps maybe in that direction by using our social media so we posted this on the, on the internet we asked them how they call these three concepts in their native dialect and and the words were to kiss, like the, ver the verb to kiss, and then plate, like a plate that you eat from, and then girl. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice because we... Uh we knew from the start that there'd be major differences in these words just because we, I mean, our, our own dialects are really diverse when it comes to all three of these words. So we thought, okay, there definitely have to be more words for this. And we wanted to exactly place them because we only had anecdotal evidence. Like I've heard that in this town, they say so-and-so, but we really mm -hmm. wanted to check it by asking actual people. And well, yeah. what we did was we posted the survey and Nina, you want to? Yeah. So we just compiled this 
tiny, <laughs> very mm-hmm. short questionnaire, just three questions. There's a photo. And what like what word would you use for this concept? Mm-hmm. And then we just gave the standard words so that people wouldn't like um, <laughs> go with different <laughs> words, you know, like because we wanted little girl. And uh, so they don't use something else. I don't know. And uh, yeah, I just just want to add that about so dialectology in Macedonia and uh, off Macedonian is really big and there's a lot of literature on it, but it's all very, it's all part of academia, you know, and it's all very scientific. It's not very accessible to people. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually that's why usually when people talk about dialects, they're like, oh yeah, so the people in the village, that's what they say no it's you know people also in towns (laughs) you know your relatives speak like this and so this this was really just guys and girls (laughs) Uh, (laughs) with this questionnaire we just want to uh, to illustrate that these words are very much alive because a lot of people are using them and yeah so we uh, received a lot of answers something like 600 something wow um yeah (laughs) in in two or three days yeah it was very popular and then we analyzed the data and uh, decided to place all of the um, the words that we found on a map for 25 places in macedonia and it was very interesting so i mean if anyone of your listeners reads Macedonian, they can take a look at the, the maps on our blog. Yeah, um, I will post it in the in the episode description. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The maps got very, very popular. And uh, for example, a plate in Macedonian, in standard Macedonian, is Chinia. But then <laughs> in the southwest of the country, people say something like Painza. In uh, this one town of Prilep, which is close to Bitola, they say Vagan. So this term is only used there. <laughs> so no other town, basically. Then in the southeast, they say Misur. In the east, there's also Piato. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. I mean, yeah, yeah. It does, but it's very far away from Chinia, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then in the east, it's usually Chinia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a lot of tanir as well, mm-hmm. which is the word that's used in in Serbian. And then tanir is mostly in the in the north and uh, northwest. So that was really interesting, you know, that just <laughs> some words with completely different etymologies. I, I wanted to I wanted to ask that did you trace the the etymology of of all of those variations? So basically, uh, piatto probably came to came to these dialects through Greek okay. from Italian, mm-hmm. um, and then tanir is actually uh, came to our dialects through Turkish, originally from Arabic, and then for Misur, I don't think we. We didn't trace that, no. Yeah. But it would be fun to do. I mean, that would be a nice follow-up to to the whole yeah. survey, I think. I mean, this 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 piatto, this something that. Yeah. I mean, is familiar. The the sounds are, <laughs> yeah. are actually familiar. And this um this how did you say mus- musor? Misur. 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 It's completely. I don't know. It would yeah, it's be bonkers. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Chinia is also from Turkish. Yeah. 
We also so, say chinia, but we say chinia for for a bowl. That's interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. So it's yeah. like the same semantic field, definitely, but just uh, it, it, it has some other features that you associate. Yeah. With yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I don't know some other examples that we could say um so for for girl the majority so in standard Macedonian it's devoicha but then in in many places of Macedonian people uh would use things like mome momicha momichka and actually so momicha would be in the west in the southwest and in the east it would be momichka mm-hmm. and also even with the, with the stress right momichka Well, both, or I think. Sometimes? I'm not sure. Momichka, momichka for sure. Hap- yeah. Momichka. Wow. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like a um, small girl or just any girl? Girl. <laughs> not, not a girl, not yet a woman. Yeah, that one. <laughs> uh, okay. Like, maybe, well, maybe like not a... I think you could still say it for a child as well. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that's what, that's why we're asking about devoicha. So English is not, not a very <laughs> good language here to make the difference, but a kid, uh, a mm-hmm. female kid is devoicha. And then you have devoika, mm-hmm. uh, not a girl, not yet a woman category. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have jena. So, uh-huh. which is woman. Yeah. So this one, we were asking about the child. But you would, I mean, uh, momicha, momichka, you would use it also for for a girl, like a teenager or a young woman. So definitely, yeah. I think so um, for both. Well, as a woman, I think when you come to the part where people don't call you devoicha or devoika anymore, <laughs> then you know you're old. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that's a whole other topic. Gospoja. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> and then there's, there's another word about girl that is actually a loan word from Albanian, and that is chupe, which is used in, in Bitola, among other dialects. I think a lot of people are afraid to admit that an Albanian yeah. had <laughs> influence on our languages, but yeah. it's actually really, really fun because the languages are so different from, I mean, okay, Indo-European, but aside from that, two totally different language branches, families. Yeah. And then you you come to the to the point where where we talked about the, the word for dress, which is in Macedonian. Fustan. Fustan. Fustan, yeah, yeah, which is an Albanian loan word, which is actually really... Actually, big. we could... Actually, we checked. It's 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 also fustan in Albanian, but both are imported from Turkish. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and some, because it shows that they both they both felt the need to to borrow this, I guess, because of I mean they they both felt the influence of Turkish. So it's like we're all in this together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they both felt the need to to, to borrow that. I feel like we're very naturally transitioning into the topic of the Balkan Sprachbund, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's one of your favorite topics, Nina, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So do we talk about it, Nina? Yeah, of course. Of course, you can. I mean, I don't have any specific questions now. For yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I don't need any questions here. No, it's just that since we're discussing the influence of Albanian on, on Macedonian, this is <laughs> the, the very obvious topic that arises is the topic of the Balkan Sprachbund, uh, which basically talks about this 
whole language area where there has been for centuries many languages in very there like many languages in contact and uh, so languages from different language families but since the people were in such intense contact the languages started mixing and uh, the the thing with the Balkan Sprachbund is interesting because when you look at them or when you listen to them at first you don't really see the similarities but the grammatical systems are basically the same and i mean not the same obviously but are very very similar so this whole tendency to shift toward analytic structures so balkan languages tend to use uh, tend to lose their grammatical cases then there's a lot of similarities in the verb conjugation systems in the, in the way tenses are constructed and really some crazy, crazy stuff. So I think this is a whole topic on its own. Yeah. So I'm not going to go into details, but yeah, very, very similar. So like the syntax, you use the same structure in both languages. And that's just so amazing. But it would be actually a really cool topic and a really cool thing to compare. I think I have to write it down. Because, I mean, I love that language contact, which is, I mean, you wouldn't expect for languages like Albanian and Serbian or Macedonian to have something in common, because when you see it, it's like, wow, completely <laughs> different thing. But then you dig a little deeper and then you see how much influence the languages actually have um, on each other. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, if if these people didn't live together, our languages wouldn't have become so close. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it only happened because people that spoke different languages had to learn each other's language in order to do business and to, you know, survive in their society. They're very multilingual society. So it was a very natural thing that happened. I, mean, I, I, just, I just wanted to say that I totally imagined them in the past, like trading together during the day uh, and then sitting down to Araki in the evenings. And then <laughs> they would try to understand each other and each would speak their language. And then somehow it got mixed and they yeah. just started accommodating features. I mean, I can totally I can totally imagine it. In many, many ways, it shaped the, the language that we are speaking today. Otherwise, it would be a whole different language. Yeah, I think we've covered everything, all of the questions. If Thank you very much. I had a lot of fun and I actually learned a lot of things. And and thank you for, for being here with me and for talking with me about Macedonian, which is a topic that I actually never got into. So it's really cool to hear something about it from you two who are um, native speakers. And thank you for listening and I hope to see you soon.